Santa's sleigh. If you're gonna help me make it fly. I thought the magical reindeer made the sleigh fly. And where did the reindeer get their magic from? Ron and Anian. Recently a repair shop opened and it says, ASC Master Auto Technician, Grand Open, $16.99 oil change special. It's the equivalent of taking a thoroughbred racehorse and sending him out to do kiddies parties. The Car Doctor. It looks like it's a good quality component, but it's not. Right. Because it says made in China on it, and now the problem is, go sue China. Let me know who you're going to talk to. You know, and that's, and that's the issue. Ah, fragile. It must be Italian. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Ania, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... And then I walked through the Lincoln Tunnel. Here's Ronnie. It's very important to pay attention which way the universe is pushing you when it comes to auto repair because you never know where you're going to end up. We went out to dinner last night, and we ended up in two separate cars, and I was by myself, and I've been to this diner a thousand times here in North Jersey, and I, for some reason, I, I got off at the wrong exit. I don't know why. It was dark. It was just a cold, dark night. I mean, there's no other way to explain it. It was one of those nights where, you know, have you ever been in a car and you're driving, and there's a fluidness as you cut through the dark, you're just... You're one with the car. You're just kind of slicing through, and every 10 feet, you're seeing a new portion of the road. It's just such a dark, dismal, bad weather night. And I, and I said, gee, why did I get off there? Usually, I, I take the highway, and I go, and something in the back of my head said, keep going. I don't know why, and I've learned to trust my inner guides, right? And I'm driving, and I know where I'm going to turn. I'm going to go up. I'm going to go up to the first block and make a right, and then that'll take me all the way down, and, and I'll be good. And and I've done that a thousand times. And well, I missed that turn. I just, you know, whether it was the dark, whether my mind was racing, because I, I I had my my spidey sense was up, but I said something's going on here. Like, what are we doing this for? You know, I I. I subscribe to that, you know, it's like ripples in the pond, right? You're, you're moving the ripples around like something's going to change as a result of this. And I get to the next traffic light, and I'm slowing down to stop at the next light where I can also make a right or go straight. And I'm in the, it's a, it's a four-lane road, and I'm in the center lane, and there's a car in this other center lane. And as I pull up to stop, I end up parking right next to this guy, and he's, he's in the center lane, but he's, he's stuck the 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 you know the car's got the four-way flashers on at first i thought it was the blinkers i said oh this guy's trying to make a a, a, a left turn and then i realized he's got his four ways on so i pull up next to him and i'm sitting next to him and he's stopped and i said gee let me just put the window down and talk to this guy he's stuck it's christmas come on let's you know peace on earth and goodwill toward men right and i put the window down and it's a husband and wife and they're kind of arguing a little bit because it's her fault and it's his fault and Hi, you need any help? No, what happened? I don't know. It just stopped. 
And I said, wow, it's a Honda. I said, and I really wanted to tell him what Honda stood for, but I figured that isn't the moment. But it did cross my mind, I have to admit. And I said, boy, that's so unusual. Hondas are usually pretty good. And he said, yeah, they are. And um, <laughs> I think the way it transpired, because I was a little still trying to deal with the darkness of the night, I, I remembered what she said, but my first comment was, hit the key. You know, I want to hear it crank, crank it, because I want to listen to it. And before he does that, she speaks up and she says, where's the car doctor when you need him? Swear to God. I mean, just out of the blue. I, I didn't know what to say. Well, I, I knew what to do. I, I popped on the overhead light of the Suburban, and there I was in all my brightness, and I said, I'm right here. And the lady, her jaw just hit the ground. It was that, it was that Lone Ranger moment, you know. Um, the husband hits the key. It cranks fast. I go, you got a broken timing belt. He says, yeah, I got AAA coming. And the light changed, and I pulled away. And, and, and you know, you, I sat there and I said, did that really just happen? And it did. The woman's like, where's the car doctor when you need him? I... He does exist! Oh, yes, Virginia. There is a... Car doctor. And I just said, wow. Um, and I guess the point of all this is, you know, everybody wants a Christmas car story. There's mine. Okay. And that's, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I called Tom, my engineer, five seconds after it happened. I said, you're not going to believe this. And I should almost turn around and go back, but the flow of traffic was insane, and I couldn't make a turn anywhere. And um, I, I hope that this lady's listening. I, I, I hope you got to wherever you were going safely. And um, I'm sure it's a timing belt that didn't crank at all. Well, it just spun too fast. You know, the, 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 the belt had to break, little four-cylinder CRV, but... True story, Paramus, New Jersey, last night about, uh, must have been about 7 p.m. in North Jersey. Just the funniest thing. Where's the car doctor when you need him? You can never find a good mechanic when you want to. Well, here I am, doink. I just, and that happens every once in a while. You know, it's, sometimes I think it is like uh, George Bailey, right? I really do have a wonderful life. And uh, you just got to appreciate it sometimes. And it's just funny and odd that it happened right here around Christmas. Hello and welcome, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. True story, happened last night. The uh, Car Doctor phone number today is 855-560-9900. As always, Steve Cook's going to be joining us down around the bottom of the hour. We sent out a couple of his books last week. Um, OBD2 Diagnostics Made Easy. We're going to have Steve stop by. Steve's an instructor, I believe, out in Ohio, if I'm not mistaken. And he's going to be, you know, coming down. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, what it's like teaching the next generation of mechanics. We'll talk a little bit about his book and just have some good old fun with him as uh, this is our Christmas show, per se. And, uh, you know, we're all getting ready to enjoy the holiday. We thought we'd share that with you. But right now, let's kick the garage doors open. Let's go to Mike in Florida, 67 Chevelle Supersport, and some issues with the way the engine sounds. Mike, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help? Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, it's uh, 1967 all-original vehicle, 396, three-and-a-quarter horsepower motor, runs very strong, and two times within the last week, it makes like a rapping noise, like it's a stuck lifter, and then it goes away. Um, I have no idea what it is. Okay, so so is it is it valve speed, or is it is it bottom-end speed, if you know what I'm saying? Can you, can you um, differentiate between the two? Um, it sounds like it's more towards the front of the motor on the top end of it. Okay. You know, it, it, it could be a lifter. It very well could be a lifter. Um, do you have mechanical oil pressure gauge in this, or are you relying on the idiot light on the dash? I don't remember what 67 shows. No, no, I have, I have an oil pressure gauge. stays strong. It doesn't change at all. Okay. 
So, you know, this, this, this could be a lifter issue. Have you looked at the oil to see? Do you see any signs of metal fragments, anything silver, anything? I did look. You know, I, that was a suggestion of um, a friend of mine, and I did look, and it looks fine. Okay. You can try, take, take some oil out of the engine, you know, take a couple of drops, put it in a Dixie cup, and put, yep. it, in the, put it in the microwave. Okay. All right? And if the Dixie, if the Dixie cup sparks... There's metal fragments in the oil. Okay. Right, because micro microwaves don't like uh, uh, microwaves don't like metal. Okay. Um, and you may see something there. Now, what's common? What would not be uncommon would be obviously a lifter sticking, and yeah. uh, you know, pull the intake and pop a couple lifters out, see if anything's concave. But right. the, the one that everybody misses obviously could be, and I don't know what this sound is, so it's a little difficult sound yeah. conversation you know mike yeah. uh but i i would be aware could we possibly have is it timing chain banging against the cover yeah, all right be, i guess especially since the front and when the noise happens you i'm sure you can reach down and grab the fuel pump okay does it it does you know grab the fuel pump when it's quiet grab the fuel pump when it's happening is it a deeper thunk thud change in tone, change in pitch emanating out of the fuel pump area, could the fuel pump push rod be causing a problem? And we used to okay. see that back in the day. Okay. All right. It has, it's a California vehicle. It has a, a smog control on it from, from California, which I haven't taken off. And at first I thought it was that, but I don't think it's that at all. Uh, it has an air pump, you're saying? Yes. Well, you should, if you wanted to, just temporarily... You could just take that air, take that belt off, and then run a alternator belt without air pump because that's probably alternator air pump crank. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. you, you could just bypass the air pump temporarily and see if the noise goes away. If you think the air pump's starting to bind up, which wouldn't be unusual, you know that's that's always possible too. Noises right. are a you know, you have to put yourself in the frame of mind of what you're chasing, and that's why I say, is it valve speed? You know, valve speed is 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 different than crank speed. Crank speed is twice. Valve speed is going to be once in terms of rotations, and and you know, uh, a valve tick is a tick 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 tick, whereas an engine knock is a knock 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 knock. You know, that kind of a thing. It's it's, and you know, wh yes, which I guess I guess it's more of a knock than a tick. Okay. Um, and you know, it's the the motor runs strong, and it's done it twice. Um, I drove it yesterday. Nothing. Drove it quite a ways yesterday. Nothing happened at all. Right. Do you have Do you have access to a bore scope? Maybe. I don't, but my friend probably does. Okay. Maybe we could pull some spark plugs out and just look to see what sort of carbon deposits do we have on tops of the pistons. Okay. You know the the um, the, the problem with that car is it's and it's a neat piece. I got to tell you. Uh, you yeah. know, a three ninety six three and a quarter Chevelle was just a neat car back in the day. It's a neat. It's yeah. it's even more fun today, but yeah. it's it's designed to run in a world of completely different gasoline, and right. you, you start to think about deposits and and some of the other things that can go right or wrong with it, and you just have to be careful how you how you treat it. You can't ignore it. You got to solve it. Yeah, so. there's a place over here. There's a place where I am that has ninety three octane um, non ethanol gas that I run in. It seems to like it. Right. Oh, it'll definitely uh, like it. It'll, yeah. it'll 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 suck that up like Dracula in a pint of blood, uh, you know. That's yes, it does. Yeah, that's so it tends to suck it up real fast too. Yeah. Um, so, but do those things, and uh, you know, okay. maybe maybe you can capture the noise 
on a video recording and put it up on our Facebook page, Ron okay. and Annie and the Car Doctor, and I can listen to it there or send it to me by okay. way of a YouTube video or something. And, right. and we could kind of listen to it and maybe get you a better idea. Awesome. Well, you know, I really appreciate your time, and I, I love listening to your show. Thank you, sir. Um, and I'm glad I got to talk to you, and we'll try those things. Uh, try those things, and Merry Christmas to you. You take All good right, care. Merry Christmas to you. Thank yes, you. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'm Ron and Andy, the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Let's get over to Ed in New Jersey, 06 Toyota Scion, or a Scion, I shouldn't call it a Toyota, a Scion, I'm sorry, to the gods of Toyota. Um, some questions about a P0420. Ed, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Yes, Ron, sir. I got a 2006 Scion XD. Okay. 298,000 miles. Wait for it, wait for it. Just broken in. Go ahead, brother. All right. P0420, cat efficiency. Now, at 170,000 miles, after returning from a cross-country trip, the light, I also, this was five, six years ago, I got a P0420. I added some chemicals, some cat cleaning chemicals, and the light's been off for at least six years. Came back on right before I'm due for New Jersey inspection. Added chemicals again. Drove the car for two weeks. Passed inspection. As I'm driving home, the light comes back on. So my question is, uh, there's a big price range on cats. They go from $120 to $500. And I've got estimates from shops like over $1,000 to fix it. I need to know what's, what would be the best uh, cat to buy for this. You ever, you ever have a hot dog? Yeah, sure. Tiny right. and Angie's yeah. down the block. Okay. So you ever notice how, you know, sometimes a hot dog is two bucks and sometimes a hot dog is five bucks because it's a better hot dog? Definitely. Right, and the two dollar hot dog might give you indigestion, whereas the five dollar hot dog kind of doesn't. So, <laughs> so this is about indigestion. This is about what do you, what do you want to put up with? All right. the The difference is all catalytic converters, like hot dogs, hot dogs are FDA inspected and approved. Right, they regulate how much bologna they put in the hot dog, along with other things. Um, but catalytic converters all have to meet EPA minimum criteria. And they all have okay. to be warranted for a certain length of time. And, and I, you know, I, I just read this, and it, it pushed something else out of my head, but why do I think it's three years and I forget how many thousands of miles? But it, there's a decent warranty, or has to be a decent warranty on replacement aftermarket cats. But the issue becomes after that, all right, and what will happen to the cat afterwards? The, the, part of this question has to encompass the answer of how long do you plan to keep this car? Forever. Forever. Okay. See how I knew that? All right. I figured you drove it to 290. You're not getting rid of it anytime soon. So think of it like this. It's an 06. All right. It's 14 years old in terms of model year, all right, because the 20s are out and they don't make Scions anymore. Wouldn't it make sense, and I'm just, just arguing the point on merit, wouldn't it make sense to buy the cat from Toyota because it's the best hot dog you can buy and it's going to give you the least amount of indigestion and it's going to in Definitely. theory it's in theory it's going to last the longest if you're if, if you're really going to drive this forever all right which is a long time last time I looked all right 
it's it would just it would just make more sense. Price difference on cats and uh, you know I've seen Toyota get real greedy. We had a Camry in the shop a couple of three four weeks ago. They wanted eighteen hundred dollars for the front pipe with the cat built into it. It was staggering. I almost fell off the chair. The customer's still trying to be revived in the middle of the parking lot. But you know I gave them all the options. We talked the aftermarket. We talked you know Toyota. We went through the whole list, and they said you know. It's 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 double the money for the Toyota Cat, but it's going to last the longest, and I want to drive the car forever. Okay, you know, so in theory, it should last another whatever he had. I think he had one hundred eighty thousand miles on it. So, couple of things to think about at two ninety. One of the questions I always ask, or I would ask at the shop, is: Does the car use any oil? Does it use any oil, Ed? No. Okay. Because obviously, Never. obviously, oil consumption is going to shorten life of catalytic converter. The 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 other thing, because let's not assume because it's a four twenty, it's a bad cat. It probably is, but other factors, exhaust leaks. If there's an exhaust leak anywhere, that can comp- no. that can compromise downstream O2 sensor value, and that can affect it. Also, how does the thermostat stack up on a scan tool? Was it, ever, was, was it ever changed? I have seen, matter of fact, I talked about it not too long ago, as little as a 7-degree temperature change in, in, in thermostat off of spec. Spec of 187, a, a car running at 180, that car will never run the cat monitor. That car may not heat the cat up enough to operate properly, especially in super cold weather. That's a problem. So before we go out and spend whatever money you're going to spend and buy the $5 hot dog, I would tell you get a diagnosis. Make sure they verify temperature of the thermostat, oper- you know, coolant temperature of the thermostat operation is correct. Make sure there are no exhaust leaks. Make sure the O2 sensor activity is good. It can hit its peak. And then at that point, yeah, let's put a cat in it. And also consider software updates just to make sure there's no reflashes. Hey, coming up next, Steve Cook, OBD2 Diagnostics Made Easy. Everything you wanted to know and maybe don't want to know, stick around. We'll be back right after this. guest is proof positive of something I always say. You have to be so smart to be a mechanic. You're smart enough to go do almost anything else in life. And he's done that. He's an instructor. He's an author. He's a hell of a guy. I've met Steve. We've yacked personally and uh, chewed over the same pile of grease talking about cars. And it's a pleasure to have him here on the show with us today. Steve Cook, how are you today, sir? All righty. How are you? Good, sir. Um, Qualify yourself, Steve. What do you do for a living? I I want everybody to hear this. Well, you know, I'll give you my background here a little bit. I started out in the business in 78 out of a vocational school, okay, and I went to work in a dealership. Uh, from there, um, I went ahead. I've worked at several independent shops, things of that nature. I hold a uh, ASC Master and L1 certification. Um, I've done some consulting work, and uh, I've helped the National Sane uh start an apprenticeship program. Uh, I've taught in a vocational school setting. Um, uh, you know, basically things of that nature. So you've been you've been in all four corners of this business and then some. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I forgot to mention I've been a shop owner too, so yeah. I've been where you are too. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like I said, you're smart enough to to do what you're doing, and then everything else because that's what it takes to be a good mechanic today. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't know how smart I am, but well, you know, I, I, we all do our best. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, brother. You know what? You're smart enough to know your limitations, and that's why you write and read and you keep doing research, and that's the best part of it, right? Um, exactly. Talk to me about the book. What was the inspiration for the book? What created OBD2 Diagnostics Made Easy? Well, um, where I got the idea from the book was when I was up doing some work in Detroit for a uh, car manufacturer up there. And I was fielding calls from different uh, technicians and field engineers. And they're on the questions that you get from them. Sometimes you about fall out of your chair. You think they should know this stuff. You know, I get questions like, yeah, I get questions like, for example, the engine's got a misfire. What do I do? Or I'm on my third catalytic converter and it's still sitting a P0420. You know, those kind of things. So that, and then from observing other technicians and shops over the years, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and uh, observing what they've done and just watching technicians and do-it-yourselfers and that just throw parts at cars, you know. And I, that's where I got the idea for the book is, hey, we're not diagnosing the cars. They don't know how to properly go about diagnosing a vehicle. Well, and so that was the whole inspiration for the book. Isn't that true, you know, Steve, in, in so many cases, whether it's OBD2 or just car problems in general? <laughs> I, I, I've, I've got an email in front of me from a listener this week. His daughter's car was away at school. It's from Mark. He's out in Nebraska. And he talks about a vibration that happens between 40 and 50 miles an hour, if I recall this email correctly, without going through the whole thing. And he, he had it at a shop, and they, they didn't know how to attack the problem. You know, he said they didn't really, you know, they, and they kind of kept blowing him off. And, you know, he, he wrote and asked. He says, Ron, what do I have him do? And I said, listen, get it up to speed. As soon as it starts vibrating, pop it in neutral. Don't make sure you don't hit reverse, but just, you know, pop it in neutral. Coast. Does the vibration occur still? If the vibration is still there, then it's not engine load related. It's vehicle dynamic speed related. It's it's you know right. it's it's it it ends up it ended up being that the, he finally got it to a shop that would look at it, and he said they did exactly what you were going to do, and I didn't even have to tell him to do it. Which you know, guess what? There's because I'm not the only guy in this industry that can think. I'm the lucky guy yep. that got on radio, and it turned out to be a bad center bearing. How how hard was that? And and the point becomes, you know what? We don't we don't know what we don't know. We know that for sure, right? I don't know the right, answer to correct. the problem. I have to I have to diagnose it. And diagnosis is re, is a requirement that takes place in chassis vibrations, brake noise, charging systems, OBD two. And yep. it's it's I've, I've heard Steve the feedback. I had one fellow write me this morning. I was reading the email. He said, you can tell Steve Cook for me, and I'm paraphrasing this from memory. He said, tell Steve Cook for me that the book is a little difficult to read because of the technical content. Not the way it's written, but just it's OBD2. It's not, you know, it is, it is rocket science, right? Uh, he said, tell Steve Cook the way the book is written. It's, it's very technical and difficult to get through. He said, but I got through the first hour of my time with the book, and he said, I already learned three things that I didn't realize, and it explained why my why my freeze frame is different than my monitors and, and different things that he was looking for, and he got his mm -hmm. answers, and it, 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 it breaks it down. 
You know, and, and listen, yeah. I've, I've read the book, Steve. I think you take a very complex subject and make it simple. And that's what these guys need out here today because how many cars do you see where the parts cannon exploded? Uh, you, oh, yeah. You know, it looks like somebody threw up parts under the hood of the car and it's still not fixed. <laughs> it, it, and look at it, too. You go and you they, they throw all these parts at a car trying to fix it. And nine times out of ten, they wind up, and you and I both noticed, they wind up causing more problems than if they would have taken it to somebody and had it then properly diagnosed right. to begin yep. with. So you still, you know. you st- you're, st- you're still teaching the kids, Steve? Uh, no, I've retired from yeah. that. Um, this, you, was, was that this was my this, – this, this past year was it. Yeah. Um, I do still go to all of the instructor seminars and things of that nature, though. Right. I still keep in touch with everybody. So, do you do you were the kids getting better towards the end? Was it was it just as difficult? Because there's going to be a it's shortage prob- of technicians in the next five years, like this country yeah. hasn't seen. Well, it's actually it's getting more difficult, and I'll tell you one of the reasons why. One of the things that uh, this last um, instructor seminar that I went to, we were talking. We had someone from CAP there, which is a uh, is the Chrysler program to bring technicians up, you know, through through the through the colleges and what have you. And we were talking about what it takes to get them in and stuff. And everyone there pretty much agreed that part of the problem we got is is the amount of time we get to spend with these kids keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter. You know, I was down to an hour and a half a day with my seniors. That's class time and shop. And like a little over two hours with my junior class. So what are you going to do with the complexity of the automobiles today to get these kids where they need to be? Right. You know, it, it, it's it's very, very difficult. There's all kinds of state testing and stuff going on and a bunch of other things that are distracting these kids. When I went to school and I was in a vocational program, I had one English class my junior year and I had a government class my senior year. And the rest of the time was spent related to my technical field, which was automotive. Kid's going to become a mechanic today, Steve. He's got to go to school and know what, right? Let's go through the list real quick in our last minute. He's got, well, to, know, he's got to know electronics. He's got to know how to test it, right? Mm-hmm. Ohm's Law. Well, before, before that, Ron, you've got to know how to read, comprehend, Right. right, and do math. Basics, I mean, to be honest yeah. with you, if you don't have those basics down, the rest of it means nothing. Oh, and, and how important is math today for a mechanic? It's everything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you're, taking, yeah, you're taking all kinds of measurements and stuff, and, and you've got to be able to do the math. People don't understand that. I, I the gym I go to, the 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 lady that works across the rig from me, we talk. She's a, a math teacher at a high school here in New Jersey, and she says I can't get the kids interested in math. She says it's so it's so difficult. I said, why don't you take them and show them that movie, uh, Hidden Figures, talking about the space program and the th- uh, um, the 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 way the engineers did everything on a slide rule on a calculator and. Uh, you know, computed how we're going to get to the moon and get rockets into orbit. It was all math, and same thing with cars. It was mm-hmm. it was it was the same thing with cars. Uh, you know, so it um, and it's going to get it's well, going to get more involved I, as time goes by. I, I think modern technology is a two-edged sword. I think it's kind of bit us in the butt a little bit because yep. it's made it too easy for people to get answers to questions now, to where they don't have to really dig in right. to anything. They punch it. You punch a number in your comp- into your calculator, you get it. 
You Google on your cell phone, you get an answer. Right. You know, you really don't have to dig much. So critical thinking skills have, have gone by the wayside. Right. And it's really tough. And it's, it's, so, it's a big part of it. Hey, Steve, where can the listeners get more information? Where's the book for sale? Uh, you can get it on Amazon. And you can also go out to eBay and get the book. And it's, it, uh, if, if they're looking for it, it's OBD2. Two. Diagnostics made easy. Correct. Mm -hmm. Perfect. By Steve yep. Cook. Is it Steve Cook? Is it listed or Stephen? It's listed or Steve Cook. But if you if you Google search Steve Cook, you'll find everybody but me. Well, if perfect. you Google search the title of the book, you will be able to find it that way too. Gotcha. But uh, I, I've tried that. I tried Google searching myself. It's such a popular name. I guess I'm on page twenty. Uh, Two hundred thousand or something like that, you know. <laughs> listen, at least you made at least you made the list, brother. Uh, I guess I don't know. <laughs> always look at the positive, Steve. Listen, thanks for being and doing all that you do and helping us during the course of the year and being part of this radio show. We appreciate it, sure. and uh, we just want to take a minute and just wish you and yours Merry Christmas and a safe, healthy, happy New Year. Well, I appreciate it, and the same to all your listeners. Thanks, Stephen. You take good care. I'm Ron Annie, the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back. Running into the car doctor. Let's go over to Garth in Texas. Garth, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hello. Yes, sir. Oh, yes. Yeah. Sir. Oh, we're here. I, You're um, on. It's radio. You have to talk. Oh, I'm on. Go ahead, okay. Garth. Yeah. Yes, sir. What's going on? Yes. Oh, well, I have a 2008 Honda Accord. Okay. And the Honda Accord uh, has 120,000 miles. The starter went out on it. Okay. And I worked in the mechanic shop years ago, so I figured I, I fix everything on my car. So right. took the starter out and uh, was going to put the other starter back in, and it looks like the bolt hole for the, the large bolt that holds the starter onto the engine block, that it's been uh, the threading's wrong on it and it needs to be re-threaded. So the question was, should I, you know, what is best? Could I freeze the bolt in there because that looks like the easy way, or should I take the harder way and re-thread it, you know, in case it ever needs to be, fixed again how how would you freeze the bolt in there i don't understand the term oh what what i mean is uh before i've used a a uh, like liquid steel and stuff when i put a bolt in and it pretty much puts it in place you so, know or i use uh something so let's 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 understand the question okay you're asking yes. me about basically gluing in a bolt that holds the starter in Right, versus re-threading the borehole, because the hole that it is, it looks like it's pretty difficult to get to. What? You well, know, to re-thread it. Degree of difficulty doesn't predicate how we fix the car. So, oh, okay. So, so let's, let's, let's look at it like this. this. This liquid steel that you're going to use, do they give you a spec? What's the tensile strength? What's the clamp load? How effective, you know, in terms of strength is it? Or are we setting you up for a failure such that somewhere on a dark, dusty Texas road at 2 o'clock in the morning when the car has to start, it won't because the starter falls out of the car because the bolt doesn't keep its... Right, or it doesn't engage the flywheel. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 okay. it's more than just a question of reliability, Garth. It's, you know, you've got to yeah. think in terms of, uh, you know, a, a, a car, is, it, it gets to be a critical issue of safety. All right? And, and, and what you're asking okay. me is because um, you don't know where you'll be, and I don't mean to lecture, and I'm sorry if I do, but you don't know where sure. you'll be when that breaks. And, uh, you know, a situation like this, I always think back to the Apollo 11 astronauts, right? 
I'm sure if NASA had the choice of, let's see, do we want to glue the bolt in or do we want to make sure that the lunar module or the, 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 yeah, the lunar module can lift off from the moon, I guess we want to fix it right because we want to make sure it lifts off, right? Um, same thing right. with you. You want to make sure that starter is going to start. And, and the danger is, you know, if it doesn't start, then what? Um, and if you do have to take the starter out, then what? Uh, you know, if you had a, is this an automatic or a stick? Right. Automatic. Oh, it's 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 going to. Yeah, this this is going to be an automatic. Right. So you you yeah. you, you you know, if you have to take that starter out to do any transmission work, how would you? So so that being said, you know, I don't understand. Is the bolt that came out chewed up and gnarly, or is it? You know what is it? Is it what happens is that the bolt the bolt that came out looks fine. Okay. It looks like it is uh, the threading is good on the bolt. Right. When you start putting it into or start uh, screwing it into place, it like gets stuck. Like let's say seventy percent of the way in, okay. and it won't screw in all the way. Okay. And so when you take it out, there's there's obviously some metal residue now in the grooves of the bolt. Okay, I'll tell you what. Sit tight. Let me. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to rush this. Stay right where you are, Garth. Let me pull over. Take a pause. We'll come right back to it. I'm Ron and in the car doctor. Don't go away. Ron and in the car doctor. We are back. Garth, you're still there, brother, right? Garth. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Work with me. We got two minutes here, kiddo. So, starters out. This is a four cylinder or six. It's a four-cylinder. Four-cylinder. You had to take the intake manifold, plenum off the front to get to the starter for access? Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. So, yeah, it's in, it's in a tight spot. And the bolt you want goes straight up or it goes back towards the uh, driver's area? It goes straight up. It goes back towards the driver's area. Back towards yeah. the driver's area. Do you have the radiator out of the car yet? No, I do not have the radiator to the car. I thought I had moderately... You know, a moderate amount of room to work right. with. Well, I, I think to do the starter, you do. But if, if we're going to do any tapping, it's nice if you can get a straight shot. And in my mind, I'm thinking if the radiator and the condenser's out of the way, you're looking right at it. Right? Right. So well, if I, um, I, I still have some, uh, I'm still looking right at it just at a different angle, okay. even with the radiator in. I mean, the I mean I'm just up like at. Uh, I mean, it's still going to be pretty much a straight shot. Right. The question so, is, I mean, you know, it's an L-shaped shot because then, then I have the knock sensor in the way and I could remove that. That's easy to remove. Right. Right. You know, the, the question becomes, and I think what happened to you is it's a steel bolt and the steel bolt bonded. Is this an aluminum block or a steel block car? This is more of uh, some sort of aluminum block. Right. I think the steel bolt bonded to the aluminum and it, it tore the thread, and it's embedded into the steel bolt. If you look at the bolt, I bet the bolt has a flat, shiny spot, almost like the leaf of a tulip flower. That it just it, Parts of the bolt look different in the thread than some of the others, and you've got to get in there and clean it. You could possibly add a little extension to a tap, but I would tell you, get somebody over there to look at it and tap it. Don't patch it. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless.